0: So over this weekend, we have been considering, in my theme, the aspects of being prepared. Prepared for the Lord. There is a very important aspect in our preparation, and it's all to do with trial and pressure. That is a significant part of our preparation as we walk toward the kingdom. I do not know your circumstances. I have no idea what the past few months has brought into your life or the past year. But what is important is to keep in mind that we are all being prepared to walk toward the kingdom. I remember as a young boy growing up, my mom encouraging us to make sure that we were prepared the night before. And so we would get our shoes ready, our bags packed, our clothes, well and truly in order. Because the adage was, if you fail to prepare, you will fail. And so with that in mind and those sorts, when myself and sister Allison visited the Caribbean and we met brothers and sisters in that same situation, who prepared the night before. I remember visiting a dear sister's home, Sister Elcita Edwards, and I remember vividly, even now, how she would iron those shirts and hang them up, beautifully pressed, beautifully starched, ironed the night before, because she said, current might go, by the morning and so you learn that what your parents teach you is a universal thing acts chapter 13 then in light of our opening remarks about preparation about asking god to take control about being prepared for the pressures of life. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manan which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Here then is Paul's first missionary journey. Notice how the verse says in verse 2, God would had called them, both Paul and Barnabas, called to do the work. Now, that is important, brothers and sisters and young people. It is important because whatever would transpire, whatever would take place in the future, they had to hold on to the simple but profound fact that they had been called. So whatever the pressures, whatever the challenges, whatever the. Lows of life. They had to remember that they were called according to God's purpose. Separate me, both Paul and Barnabas, for the work whereunto I have called them. They were elected to do God's work. What a privilege. What a joy. What a challenge. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, so before they depart, the faithful brethren lay their hands upon them and give them a blessing and pray for them. That God would take full control of their lives, whatever their path would be. Now, we have different paths to the kingdom, brothers and sisters. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about different faiths. I'm talking about The challenges that God will bring into my life may well be very different to the challenges that God will bring into yours or to mine. So they being sent forth by the Holy Spirit. So there again, it reminds you in verse four. God was the instigator. God was in control. So they being sent forth by the Holy Spirit. Verse four. Verse two separated to God's service and from thence they sailed to Cyprus and when they were at Salamis they preached the word well things were things were going well very well they had embarked upon this preaching expedition preaching campaign Things were going well. Well, of course they would. They were called according to God's purpose. Separate me, both Paul and Barnabas, for the work whereunto I have called them. And they were steadfast in their service because they were called. And so they head on to the synagogue. Verse 5. And they had also John to their minister, a faithful brother. That's important too, isn't it, brothers and sisters? They had good company. A brother they could trust in and rely on. And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet... A Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. Now, this is interesting. Why Bar-Jesus? Well, you we might know that the word Bar means son. And that's so typical, isn't it, of, of error, of falsehood. He calls himself Bar-Jesus, son of Jesus. And that's so typical, isn't it, of truth and error. It runs parallel throughout the scriptures. We have truth and we have error. And if we're not careful, and if we don't read and pray, brothers and sisters, and if we lose touch with our brothers and sisters, we misunderstand the truth. Because error at times can look very similar and rather attractive. And that's how the world will put it across to us. Bar Jesus. The falsehood, the lie, wrapping itself up to purport itself to be truth. When in effect it is not so. And for discerning brother or sister. It is important for one to appreciate the truth of God's scriptures and refute the error. Son of Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. Well, it gets it's getting better and better. Here, this Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, a, a, an important man, a man of great influence in that area, desires that they would come to his home. When my, myself and Sister Allison spent little over six months in Antigua, we actually were invited to the home of uh, Sir Vivian Richards, and we sat. And we uh, chatted to his father and to his uh, uh, his mother uh, and also to his wife. Unfortunately, Sir Vivian wasn't there. But suffice to say, it was a very interesting conversation about the truth. And so things were going well, weren't they? Well, of course they would. They were called according to God's purpose, weren't they? Then, verse 8, but Elimus the sorcerer, notice how the, the text changes his name back from Bar-Jesus to Elimus the sorcerer. Now the verses are beginning to unpick the character of this man. So you know as the reader, he is not the son of Jesus, he is Elimus the sorcerer. This man who wanted to put out that he was some important thing. It was a facade, a veneer, an outward show. And the verse highlights him for what he really is, brothers and sisters. Elimus the sorcerer, For so his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Ah. Here now is opposition. We must expect it when we preach the truth. Here then was Elemus the sorcerer, a.k.a. Bar-Jesus, subverting the mind of Sergius Paulus, who wanted to know the truth. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, notice that, did you notice that? Saul, Paul, Bar-Jesus, Elemus the sorcerer It's reminding you that this is truth and error running in parallel again. And look what Paul says, verse 9. Then Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, set his eyes on him and said, O, oh, full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Subtlety, mischief, child of the devil, enemy of, of all righteousness, you are perverting the truth. And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Now, good Bible study, brothers and sisters, is to ask ourselves the question, where have we heard this before? I bring you again, please, to verse 10 and verse 11. This actually was the very first miracle that the Apostle Paul would do. The first one. Very first. You will recall that when the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9, chapter 8, On the road to Damascus, remember, he was opposing the truth. He was, verse 10, full of all subtlety and mischief, a child of the devil, an enemy of all righteousness. He was the one who would pervert the right ways of the Lord. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And then he is made blind. For a time. He is made blind in order that he might see. Acts 9, verse 3, we won't go there but they led paul by the hand and brought him into the into damascus acts 9 and in that chapter that there and so the apostle paul sees in this man himself and so he meets the same punishment upon this man because he sees himself. The apostle Paul was made blind in order that he might see. And we too, brothers and sisters, we look at ourselves and we recognize that by the grace of God, we go forward. And the Apostle Paul brings to the fore the important principle. Just how God was preparing him for the work, in making him blind, for the work that he might be a tremendous preacher of God's word. So also, this man was made blind, notice what it says, he was made blind for a season, verse 11, for a time, just how the apostle Paul was made blind for a time. And in that time period, he could think and pray, Brother Saul. And he was baptized. Now, notice the reaction of the deputy. Sergius Paulus verse 12, then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed being astonished at the miracle of the man being blind? No, he was astonished at the doctrine of the Lord, the doctrine, the teaching. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, When we read God's word and when we have come to an understanding of the truth, are we not astonished? Well, many of the churches around us, they would have been astonished, all right. (laughs) But they would have been astonished, not at the teaching, not at the doctrine, but at this outward show of this miracle. And the emotions may well have run high, but... For this man, what touched him deeply is that he had understood the truth of God's holy writ. So that was a challenge that they had overcome. Well, of course, they were called according to God's purpose. Things were going well. Verse 14. But when they departed from Perga... They came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. So there again, first port of call, we're going to the synagogue. Of course, that's where everybody is. We're going to preach the truth. And after the reading of the law and of the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them saying, Ye men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. That's how they would do it in those days. People would turn up at the synagogue. And then they might ask a faithful brother to stand up and, and, and give us a thought on something. He didn't have a, he didn't have, he wasn't given a week to prepare. You know why? <laughs> because he was reading in the week. That's how he prepared. He, he didn't, he wouldn't, didn't expect to be asked. He didn't spend all week burying himself away in his study, not seeing wife or children or family or anybody. It was because it was part of his life. Ye men and brethren, if you have any words of exhortation for the people, say on. I wonder, brother, if you would take up the call if Brother Kitson's computer suddenly died. Then Paul stood up and Beckoning with his hand said, men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. And he gives an incredible exhortation. He talks about their history. He talks about verse three: Jesus raised up by Jesus, the resurrection. Verse 34, he talks about the sure mercies of David. And we as Christians, we understand the promises, don't we? Genesis 3, the, 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 the Edenic promises. The Davidic promises, 2 Samuel 7. The Abrahamic promises in Genesis chapter 12 and so on and so forth. We understand the promises. And he gives them a wonderful masterclass about their history and the truth. Verse 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, brethren, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified From all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware therefore. Behold ye despisers. Verse 42. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. The Gentiles had never heard this before. You mean we, as Gentiles, can be grafted in? We can be brought in into the very covenants of promise? Yes, of course. They had never heard this before. Verse 44. But the next Sabbath came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Well, of course, they were called according to God's purpose. Things were going well, but but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. Notice that? The Jews, seeing the Gentiles coming in, filled with envy, and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. But Paul waxed bold. End of verse 46. We turn to the Gentiles. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. It, it's getting better and better, brothers and sisters. Well, of course it would. They were called according to God's purpose, weren't they? But Have you ever had one of those sort of days, brothers and sisters? Things are going just right. All is well with my soul. And then we have one of those, ah, but days. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city. And raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. Get out. Paul shows them to be a leprous house. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium. So they go from Antioch, where the people raise persecution against them and go over to Iconium verse 51 from Antioch to Iconium chapter 14 verse 1 and it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together where of course into the synagogue of the Jews and there's a great multitude both of the Jews and also of the Greeks and they believed but remember We are called according to God's purpose. But the unbelieving Jews, here comes envy again, stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against their brethren. Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly. Now, I don't know your circumstance or situation, brothers and sisters, young people. You may have to be in that situation. Long time. Loneliness. Fear. Worry. What might become of the children or the grandchildren? Failing of health. You may have to abide in that long time. But remember. You have been called according to God's purpose. But the multitude of the city was divided and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when they were an, an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them, they were aware of it and fled unto Lystra and to Derbe, cities of Lyconia, Lyconia, wolf country, that's what it means, Lyconia, wolf country, and unto the region that lieth round about. From Antioch, the people gathered, raised persecution against them, to Iconium, The people gathered together to stone them. And they were aware of it, verse 5, and fled. Verse 7, and they preached the gospel. And even in the midst of that pressure, brothers and sisters, they were preaching God's word, verse 7. Because the driving force, the motivating factor was that they had always to remember. They were called according to God's purpose. In our lives, brothers and sisters, we are called to walk through the valley. The valley of life. Sometimes in our lives there are the lows and the highs, the peaks and the troughs, the hills and the valleys, and our lives usually will go like that. It's nice to be on the mountaintops, isn't it, on a clear day. You can see for miles, even though in Guyana, they tell me it's as flat as a pancake. You can see for miles on a hill, on a mountain top, but you see the rich growth will always be in the valleys. David reminds us of that. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. It is the shadows. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, it is the unknown that is what is fearful it is the unknown brothers and sisters we can cope with something if we can see it but it's the unknown it is the mind that which we cannot see can be most powerful and so they go over to lystra and they preach the word verse 19, and there came thither certain Jews from Antioch where they had raised persecution against them. Iconium where the people gathered together to stone them. People from Antioch to Lystra traveled 85 miles. Have you ever been followed for 85 miles? You may well have been followed around a supermarket or a mall for suspicious reasons by some overzealous security guard, but eighty-five miles? Some sort of profiling possibly. And those who traveled from Iconium to Lystra to take hold of Paul and Barnabas, they traveled for 35 miles. They go from Antioch to Iconium, from Iconium to Lystra, and things were getting worse. Antioch, the people raised persecution against them. Iconium, they gathered together to stone them. Lystra, look what happens, verse 19. And there came thither the certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and, having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Do you know, when they stoned people in those days, they did a jolly good job of it. And the little small pebbles, these were big boulders that could throw them and smash the skull. But hang on a minute, Lord. Why, why are you allowing this to happen? We, we, we've been called according to, to you. Se- separate me both, Paul and Barnabas, for the world where until I have called them. Lord, why are you allowing this to happen? We've been called according to your purpose. In fact, we're only trying to do the right thing, Lord, and it's getting worse. Now, he's been stoned. What, what, why did God allow that to happen then? But Lord, I've, I've, been, I've been called according to your purpose. We we're doing all the right things, Lord. And Paul is stoned. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, they're the, the, the looking over him. He looks dead. Some would suggest he is dead, and he was resurrected. Some would suggest. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next the next day. Now, if that was you, would you go back into the city, the same city? They'd probably stone me again. He rose up and came, am I reading this right? And came into the city, Lystra. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. What is this showing us here, brothers and sisters? Keep a marker there and come across, please, to Paul's second letter to to the Corinthians. 10 Corinthians and chapter 4. Keep a marker in Acts chapter uh, 14, now that you've lost it. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. Think of the apostle Paul. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Margin, not altogether without help or means. Not altogether without help or means. We are perplexed, but not altogether without help or means. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, But not destroyed. Here it comes. The point of triangulation. Where we align ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Always bearing about in the body. The dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest. Shown in our body. Acts chapter 14. He was cast down. He was as good as dead. It is a a mirror image of a death and a resurrection, always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord. And so we associate ourselves, brothers and sisters, with the work, the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, and when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again. What? To Lystra, where he was stoned. To Iconium, where the people gathered together to stone them. To Antioch, where the people raised persecution against him and expelled them from their coasts. Why? Because of the love of the brothers and sisters. That through his trial and through his companions' trial... There were baptisms. And he wanted to go back to see them. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. Why? Well, of course, because we've been called according to God's purpose. And that we must through much tribulation. You know what tribulation means? It's the word Pressure. That we must, through much pressure, enter into the kingdom of God. That, brothers and sisters, is for us also. Whatever the trials, whatever the challenges, whatever the pressure, and it finds place in the supreme work of the lord jesus christ who gave himself to the uttermost for you and i and how thankful we are that he went through and did his father's will that we again might align ourselves to him that we might remind ourselves this morning, that we have been called according to God's purpose, that we might be fully persuaded and fully acknowledged and be so marveled at His, at his doctrine, at His teaching. And when the dark days come, for come they will in the lives of all God's children, it will come at different times in our lives, when we are young, when we are old, but we must remember to align ourselves to the master. We might be cast down, but not destroyed, not forsaken. And all this is in preparation, in the fullness of the dispensation of time That God will gather together all his children. Sister. Whatever troubles your heart. Hold on. Don't let go. Find brothers and sisters. Spend time with them. Love them. Help them. For as you help them, you will find that you also will be helped. Brother, whatever the challenge, put it right. It is all how God will prepare us, preparing us now for the kingdom may it be that we will be given the strength and the courage and the conviction and the fortitude to be honest with ourselves and that we might be gathered in to his everlasting kingdom of which he has prepared for us. Amen.